hold on one second. Phil is playing football music really loud. Phil! 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 I'm doing a podcast. I'm doing a podcast. Um, I really, really, really want to put that in the intro to this episode. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace. Leaders of the world, you must leave. The continuation of our civilizations is in your hands. And to the children of our country, regardless of your gender, dream with ambition, lead with conviction. The world is waking up, and change is coming, whether you like it or not. The second female Prime Minister, but certainly not the last. The march towards freedom and justice is irreversible. You're listening to Humble Pie, the podcast about humble leadership. Welcome back to another episode of Humble Pie. This is episode seven of series two, and it's our final episode of the season. Oh my God, I can't believe we've come to this point so soon. I know, I know. It is a bit uh, bit sweet, isn't it? But we've got a bit of a cracking show coming up for everybody today. Has why don't you talk us through what we are going to chat about? We do indeed. So as you will know by now, every other week we have a slightly shorter version of Humble Pie, which we call Humble slice and it's just a bit of a slice of the action from the world around us so we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on this week and for our last episode we have decided I'm not sure if this is going to be a good idea or not but we'll see um, to put ourselves under the spotlight and reveal a time when we've had to fess up admit defeat right or wrong and eat a slice of humble pie ourselves and I cannot wait to hear what your humble pie story is I'm really nervous it's horrible I feel like I feel like we ask people to do this all the time and I'm so casual about it and now when it's me I just feel inc- <laughs> under scrutiny and stress and like I'm going to be revealing a lot of myself but that's the point exactly that, that's the point so yes I look forward to hearing yours as well a little bit later on in the show yep what are we going to be talking about first has what slice of the action are we going to be chatting through today well I figured that we couldn't really get through this episode without talking about the football. England! Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I I felt like I had to do that. Yeah. Please continue. Um, Yeah, football. Okay, so I don't know if you remember, but I think it was like episode two, you made me make a prediction for Line of Duty of who was going to be the baddie. (laughs) And so now I'm not. Tell me your prediction. So how's the next match going to play out? Uh, It's a lot of pressure to predict this, particularly because we sit here on the eve of the next England match. And by the time this episode comes out, everybody will know the outcome. So I hope I'm right. Um, I think England are going to win. I think they're going to beat Denmark. Um, And I think we're going to go on to the final. And then we are going to meet either Italy or Spain has. Come on. Who do you think it's going to be? And who do you think is going to win? I mean, if there was ever a time to back England... This is the time. Yeah, that's true. I feel like I've got so much confidence in them. Yeah, this is, yeah, true. But I have to say, <laughs> Italy look really good. I don't think I've ever seen Italy play like this. And uh, Spain don't look so good. So I reckon it's going to be an England-Italy final and then uh, 
then we'll we'll see, won't we? What a match. And they're all at Wembley, aren't they? Yes. So I feel like we do have an advantage there. We do. Fingers crossed. But this isn't about us randomly navel-gazing and crystal-balling around the outcomes of the Euros. What, what is it about? Who are we talking about? So at the weekend, I just, I saw an article written by Elizabeth Day and uh, I was having a little read and she, there was a line in there that really caught my attention, which was about Gareth Southgate. She said that he seems to represent an old school decency and resilience forged through quiet stoicism. And that got me thinking... Like, I think that in this country we have like, like stoicism is seen as like really, really positive, but actually I think there is a really fine line. So my question for you, Sarah Collins, is where do you think the line is on where stoicism is positive and then where it can actually turn into a negative? Well, aside from being absolutely impeccable copy, but um, that line that you just read was beautiful. I... Well, the reason that people, there are many reasons that people love Gareth Southgate, right? But I think one of them is the thing that you just said, which is his attitude, his stoicism, his resilience in the face of diversity and Mm -hmm. the fact that he's had his own terrible experiences at the Euros and other tournaments kind of speaks to that as well. So I think there's a sense of empathy with him from the beginning anyway. But I think that he is stoic and he is um, confident and quiet and kind of mild-mannered and that kind of thing. But he is also someone who shows emotion. I think if he didn't, if he was standing on the sidelines, just kind of like, you know, clapping and not <laughs> and not doing any fist pumping or not kind of roaring with the crowd or anything like that, I think people would be a little bit less inclined to to kind of champion him. But I think because he shows those those two sides, it's like, you know, it's like the stoicism and the emotion. Yeah. And it's warranted, you know, depending on what the situation is. I think that's why people have a, a lot of love for him and they feel a little bit like he's sort of setting the standard, I suppose, for what a leader is, because I think you do you need both. I don't think you can be someone who is reserved and and stoic all the time, um, because that's not real for most people. And also you've got to show a little bit, you've got to show emotion in order to be vulnerable. And that's what we always talk about, isn't it? I think that that humility can only come from um showing a little bit of vulnerability, whatever whatever form that takes. And I think that again, going back to Southgate, that's why another reason that people like him because he does speak very honestly and openly about his past failings and the impact that that's had on him Mm. Uh, and I said did you see the um you know that open letter that he wrote to England fans right at the beginning of the tournament yeah he wrote the the, the piece about um what it meant to be an England fan Mm. basically in this day and age I think that was kind of um a defining moment for him in terms of uh, the role that he plays in culture, not just in um, sport. Yeah. Do you know? I mean, he's just kind of tried to. I actually read a um, an op-ed in the FT yesterday. I think it was about how he's kind of attempting to redefine patriotism, which I think was really, really fascinating. The idea that he's in the wake of everything that we've gone through over the past eighteen months and Brexit and everything else, the fact that he's kind of making an attempt to redefine what it means to be an England fan and to be British, I think is really interesting. Um, And I think it will be fascinating to see what happens next because after the tournament's over and all the like excitement and hopefully the uh, thrill of the win has, has died down. What will actually be left? Will that, will that continue? Will that kind Mm. of uh, reputation and that feeling of like national pride Mm. um, continue? I I do think he's done enough already. He's done enough to 
make a lasting impact. Like even the performance from last week, I think is enough to push him into the next realm to be able to have those conversations and, you know, push the dial a little bit. So yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of matches. It's not just him either, is it? I mean, if you think about it, the, the entire England team are taking more of an active role in terms of redefining what it means to be a footballer and speaking out on cultural and societal and political issues, you know, and Rashford is a great example of somebody who's really kind of, I guess he's grown up in football and everybody knows him because of football, but he's kind of transcended that now into something, you know, he's an ambassador in more ways than one, isn't he? So yeah, I, I hope that that, um, that kind of feeling continues, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I guess we'll see if we win, maybe fingers crossed. So the perfect leader does have to have an air of stoicism about them, but also show emotion when it's needed. I don't know that I would say they have to have an air of stoicism about them. I think if you were an absolute emotional wreck the whole time, <laughs> that would make people feel quite unsafe and <laughs> unsteady. Um, but yeah, a blend. I would say a blend is, is a, a blend. good... Okay. I'm kind of sitting on the fence there, aren't I? But it's got it's got to be. It's got to be. You can't be stoic all the time. I think that, that most people wouldn't respond to that no. particularly well. It'd be exhausting. It'd be the worst. It would be. I'd be the worst 100% stoic person ever. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're definitely not 100% stoic. No. Or on the other end of the scale. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I feel so nervous. I don't know how you feel, but it is time to put up put ourselves out there and let's talk about our own humble pies. I can't believe we've actually got this far into series two and we've never done this before. So Sarah Collinge, you go first. Um, I actually had a really hard time trying to <laughs> trying to think of one moment um, because there's been quite a lot of what I would call kind of career or life defining moments that I've really learned a lot from. But I suppose that there was one that stuck out in my mind just because of the the sheer velocity with which it was a failure. Like it was just such a kind of high octane failure and and, a, and an entire day where I felt so stressed and so sick about the whole thing that I was just like, but I just was not myself. I was completely beside myself and it was so embarrassing. Um, so basically I used to, people who who have known me for some time and know me um outside of work and in work probably at an earlier stage in my career uh know that I had a habit of being quite late to things I was really um pathetically late like it was just a habit that I'd got into and I think hadn't shaken off after uni and I would always not leave enough time to travel in particular so I would always end up being 10 minutes late a little bit late here and there not like fundamentally late to stuff that was client focused you Mm. know but there would times that would happen and it would rear its ugly head and I slipped back into these old habits and I started at a new job new agency and it was there was going to be quite a lot of travel involved in it and I had in the second week of my agency been invited to New York which was where some of the other members of the team were where a few clients were it was for a high profile client meeting and it was in my second week I think of joining or maybe third week and they had been really nice. They'd laid on a really nice, like, you know, virgin flight. And I was kind of excited about it. And I had my little suitcase and all that type of stuff. And I felt really, really prepared and really excited about going. Um, and then the morning of, I couldn't get an Uber. And I was like, oh, starting to panic a little bit. This is actually a little bit stressful and getting a little bit hot under the collar. Okay, it's fine. I'm sure, I'm sure the Uber will come. I'm sure it'll be fine. It was really, really early in the morning, as all New York flights tend to be. And then it, I booked one. But it couldn't find me and it was 
I was literally like having to run up the street, run down the high street, wet flag the Uber down. It was like one of those horrible moments. Mm. Um, and I got in the cab and he started driving off. And I looked at my watch and I thought, shit, I think I'm going to be late. I don't know if I'm going to make this. So the whole ride to Heathrow, I think it was, I was absolutely like beside myself thinking, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. Oh my God. So we arrived, I jump out, I run into the terminal. I run, I run up to check in. I'm like trying to, you know, push my way to the front essentially because I was so stressed about the whole thing. And she goes, um, oh no, we can't allow you to check in. You're late. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. She was like, you've missed your flight. And I just absolutely, my, my stomach dropped. I felt absolutely oh, sick. No. I couldn't believe it. Um, and this all meant that I would miss the client meeting and then the team dinner that I was supposed to be attending. Mm. It's a really important client as well, our, our top client. And I sat there and I thought, that is the most embarrassing thing. I can't believe I've done this. And they booked me onto the next plane, but that meant that I had to wait five hours in the airport. So I sat there stewing about it for five hours. Obviously, I had to send my apologies and send a note to my CEO telling him that I couldn't make the flight, um, that I'd been late and that I'd been delayed and I was going to miss the client meeting. And then by the time I got there to New York, it was 10.30 p.m. and everybody was sitting in a restaurant wrapping up dinner, having had a few drinks. And I was sweaty and tired and just felt so, so, so embarrassed. And ever since then, I have pretty much not been late for a meeting, for travel, for a flight, for whatever it is. It was honestly just so like harrowing that I just had a moment in time where I was like no that's it the the switch flicked and I changed almost overnight there are so many people who just have severe travel anxiety and I feel like that story is going to give them heart palpitations oh I'm sorry everybody I'm sorry (laughs) I never actually think you're going to actually miss your flight no it's a number of times that I've run through the airport and not miss my flight. You know, there was yeah. an exuberance and confidence about that whole thing, I think, where I just thought, oh, no, it'll be fine. I'll get on the plane. No, no, no worries, whatever. Um, but no, she just went, no, you can't. And I was like, oh, oh, wow. And have to sit at the airport and just... Yeah. So tired, having been up since like 4.30 oh, a.m. You know, and then getting to New York. By that time, you've been up for God knows how long. Can't can't remember how long it is, but oh, too God. long. And all you want to do is have a shower and like, chill and just you can't and it's just horrible not not go straight from the airport to the place where you're supposed to have dinner no it was just um it was horrible it made my skin crawl wow what a Um, lesson (laughs) yeah what a lesson what a lesson lesson. um so come on has tell me yours okay take me away from discomfort okay so mine was pretty early on in my career I was actually only like literally a few months into a job. So I started out as an intern and then I got a job and I was so excited. And I got this, the most incredible opportunity landed in my lap, which was, uh, we're following these guys doing this sporting event across America. Can you go to, um, Santa Monica to go and manage the end and, you know, look after some press, blah, 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 all of that kind of stuff. Sounds like the dream job. It was amazing. And I was like, wow, yes, like, definitely, I'll do it. Because, you know, you're like, in your 20s, and you're like, young, and like, what's stopping you? Absolutely nothing. Um, And um, one of the other guys from the office came with me as well. He was a little bit more experienced than I was, which was great, because I literally had no idea what I was doing at all. Anyway, the whole thing was just like, amazingly successful. We had like, 
the best time ever. These guys like came over the finish line and it was just like, everyone was so pumped and there was like this big like American welcome and like it was just, oh, nice. and we'd like got in contact with loads of um Brits that were living over there to like come and support them as well so that was all like super super cool and then we got a bit carried away because there was obviously a lot of celebrating happening and we got yeah. really carried away and we ended up like with a lot of alcohol inside us as did everyone else and we woke up the next day and we hadn't sent the photographs of the finish back to the UK back to where we were supposed to and honestly I thought Ah. literally thought that was it I just thought that's the end that's the end of our careers like that's basically our only job of why we were over there and we just got so carried away and just like so so what happened did the whole the whole story fall on its back well it actually was okay but it's just it was just a lot more delayed than it should have been because the UK should have woken up in the morning to a load of photographs in their inbox and it wasn't and that was just I I mean even like being so far away from home and just being so hungover and just feeling horrendous like have it going from such a high to the biggest low ever and then from then that was my such a big lesson to learn early on in my career because you obviously have so many times when you know you might be out drinking or if you're you know at events and parties and stuff like that whatever anyway my rule of thumb is just don't drink until the job is done. <laughs> what a good learning experience. And I, I love the idea that you would send someone who's like really, really junior over to the States for a really high profile job. And then and and think like, yeah, I back them. I'm really confident. Yeah, it's really good. And then you just absolutely <laughs> prove them wrong. So like a massive fail. Oh, such a big fail. And it was just so, so embarrassing. Oh, my goodness me. It was- is, so did you, did you get, um, were you told off, presumably, but not, but not fired, not sad? Yeah I, I, yeah, I wasn't fired or anything. And also, like, I wasn't told off as much as the guy, like, like there was someone more senior there than me that also should have known better. So it was like... That's true, yeah. So, you know, yeah. it was kind of like both of our, like... The fact that it was it was definitely his fault that it was your fault, right? Is yeah. that what you're saying? <laughs> I feel so bad saying that because I was definitely encouraging the drinking as well. So, oh my god, you know, that's brilliant! There, if there was ever a time to just like clear the air, I'm sorry. Yeah, like I'm so sorry that that happened. <laughs> it won't happen yeah. again. <laughs> I think everyone, everyone listening who knows what that story was about, will, will probably um, yeah. will probably forgive you. Okay. Well, do you feel um, cleansed? I do, but I feel like I feel like I've only just lifted the lid on a lot of these moments. Yeah, maybe. I feel like I started at the beginning, and I've probably got like fifty more examples of exactly these kind of things happening to me along the way that have just all built up into the person that I am today. Maybe we'll do this the last episode of every season because yeah. we'll have more, no doubt. Um, yeah. But that was. Yeah, I enjoyed that. That was brilliant. It was good to do our own humble pie moments. 
so that is it for series two of Humble Pie. I cannot believe we've come to the end of this series already. Our podcasts and the whole series and series one are always available to listen to wherever you'd expect. So if you want to catch up or just go back and listen to some of our favorite episodes, um, they're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, you name it and we are there. And of course, don't forget to follow us at Don't Cry Wolf Consultancy on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. And if you want to get in touch with a guest recommendation or just want to say hi, it's hello at don'tcrywolf.com thank you so much everyone for listening it's been an absolute blast that is it for another season of humble pie and we will see you in season three Woo!